Constellation. 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 Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. Hey, Bloomers, this is Alexa coming at you from the editing bay. Just to tell you, number one, you're about to listen to an amazing interview with an incredible guest. But number two, we are so excited to introduce week-long free trials of our Patreon membership. So now you can get access to the bottom Patreon tier. It's $5 a month if you're regularly signed up. But you can get free access for seven days to try it out for those of you who maybe have been thinking about it but didn't know if you actually wanted to sign up this is for you and in that tier you get all of our bonus content all the bonus content we do and ever did um, including our celebrity spirit interviews as well as our intuitive investigations some of our recent celebrity spirit interviews have been people like kobe bryant um john benet ramsey uh who else? Um, John Lennon, uh, Elvis, and then intuitive investigations are where we kind of take a deeper look into a topic. So one of our great episodes was um, Britney Spears. What's really going on with that? The theory of 2012. Did the world actually end and we're in another timeline or something? Just really fun uh, woo stuff to dive into. So um, if you've been thinking about it, this is a really good feature that we've just added. And uh, you guys are free to sign up at www.patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash inner bloom podcast. And let us know what you think. All right. On to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back once again to Inner Bloom Podcast. I'm Alexa. I'm Ambrosia. Hi, everybody. And we are so excited and honored to have uh, a returning guest with us, Coot Blackson, transformational teacher, national bestselling author of You Are the One and latest book, The Magic of Surrender. Welcome, Coot. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're so excited to have you. We've been wanting this to happen for a while because the last time you were here was like, well, you, you live up to your name because it was highly transformative <laughs> and everybody <laughs> was very changed by it. That's great. Amb- That's great. Amb- Ambrosia, I remember you in particular actually had like a lot of things unravel from that. Yes. There was a lot of, I feel like you ever have those moments where you feel like someone is communicating to you through your guides or through God or through whatever source you believe in there were several moments in that conversation that it was like this is important for you you need to listen and pay attention so I feel like I was more quiet last time than I normally am and perhaps that's why I'm like more quiet now I'm just like okay what's he gonna say today (laughs) (laughs) but I'm excited to have you back and excited to see where this conversation goes because I feel like you have a lot of insight and you're such a powerful speaker just the way that you carry yourself your energy is very um intentional and very potent in a good way thank you I'm excited to see what unfolds Yay. Well, for if somebody is new to our audience and maybe they didn't catch the first one, do you want to maybe just share whatever you feel is relevant about your background and what you're most passionate about doing in this life? Yeah, I'm, I'm most passionate about helping people transform and remember who they are and, uh, you know, helping people to uncondition themselves and peel away the layers of their conditioning so that they can get in touch with the true uh, authentic essence of of what they really are, and I've always been all along. And so, helping people peel away the layers. So I I create processes and experiences that really help people become conscious of their conditioning and 
and uh, unraveling the layers that prevent them from being fully expressed and fully who they are. And so this has been a, a passion of mine uh, since childhood in many ways, but very intentionally been working with people, specifically started out one-on-one -on -one 20, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, uh, before social media, before coaching was even a popular thing, uh, working with people one-on-one -on -one very intensely. Um, and then it just evolved from one-on-one -on -one to small groups, to larger groups, to larger groups, and to books. And, and so for me, I'm a transformational teacher in some way. And so uh, just a bit of background. Um, I forgot what I shared in the last conversation, but if folks are new, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. I live in the US, so I'm, uh, I feel like I'm from everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. And uh, if anything, I just feel like I'm a soul and uh, incarnated into this human experience. And so I think it's been a blessing uh, having the reference and the perspective of different cultures. And so part of what I feel I'm here to do is to help bridge sort of East and West and, you know, a seeming opposing force into a sense of oneness, you know. And so... Uh, yeah, my as a young kid, I was a very empathetic kid, and I would feel people's pain very deeply. I felt people suffering very deeply as a kid, and there was always a part of me that wanted to alleviate suffering in some way. I didn't know what that would look like. I just felt this this drive, and um, some would say I had a bit of an unusual childhood, but for me, it felt very normal and ordinary. Um, I thought my childhood was like everybody else's until I found out it was a bit different in that, like my first memories as a young boy, I remember being a chubby kid lost in the crowd and seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the, the sand, the gravel that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear and people stand up out of wheelchairs. And so the same man who, uh, whose sand she picked up was my father. And uh, he would look at a, a woman, let's say a person in a wheelchair. I remember specifically one occasion, a woman in a wheelchair, and she hadn't walked in like 10, 15 years. And she came to my father and he looked at her and he said, why, why, why are you in this wheelchair? Stand up. And she would say, but I haven't walked in, you know, over a decade. And he, and he would say, do, do you believe, like, do you believe, do you believe in the power? Do you believe in God, the universe? Like, and she would say, yes. And he would say, well, why are you sitting in this wheelchair? Stand up. And she would stand up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see, deaf people hear, you know, people with incurable diseases cured. And so it didn't seem like a big deal. It didn't seem like, uh, I know it sounds like, whoa, but it just felt very normal. I didn't know anything different. I was like, okay, you know, you brush your teeth, you go, you go to school, people getting cured, people, you know, blind seeing is just part of life. And right. Um, so, so I think it was a blessing growing up with this sense of possibility. And, and so my speaking career began when I was age eight, uh, when my father threw me in the audience. And when I was 14, I was ordained as a minister. Long story short, for those that don't know, I was ordained, I was ordained as a minister, but I knew, I knew in that moment that this was not my path, but I think I was too, I was too afraid. And my entire life was basically being scripted out for me. And I was too afraid to speak my truth. My fear was if I really spoke my truth, if I dared to be who I am, if I dared to express my true voice, then you won't love me. The world won't love me. I would lose my father's love. I would be outcast. And I think many of us, we hold back who we are. We, we don't allow ourselves to be as big as we are. We hide our light to make those around us feel comfortable. We become who we think we need to be in order to get love and validation and approval to fit in to be normal. And so I did this for four years. And I think when I turned 18, that's when things shifted. It was a pivotal moment for me when I realized I had some choices to make. I chose not to go to university and I looked into my future and I saw that I could follow the expected path, the path that everybody had, had scripted for me, but, and I could be successful. But if I didn't if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my integrity, if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have my own truth, then what kind of success is that? That you can't be truly fulfilled and happy being someone that you're not and living someone else's life. And so I decided to follow my soul. And uh, my soul uh, was guiding me to come to the US, come to America. And I think, as I mentioned, that what 
you know, sometimes what your soul guides you to do often doesn't make sense to your logic or your mind. What your soul guides you to do is often inc inconvenient and uncomfortable. But I think when we follow our souls, we're being guided by something deeper than ourselves, deeper than our conditioning. And I think when we truly dare to follow our souls, we will always end up in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing, even though the, the path that we take may not be the one that we we expected. And so my soul was guiding me to the US, guiding me to Los Angeles, get guiding me to California, because this is where all of the, the authors, the self-help authors I'd read as a kid, I'd sneak into my father's office, go to his bookshelf and read, you know, Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, Marion Williamson, Louise Hay, Dan Millman, I mean, you know, Jack Canfield, Mark Fitt, all these, all, all these self-help guys and girls and, you know, men and women. And I saw a whole new possibility in terms of how I could impact people that wasn't through the church, wasn't through religion. And so I renounced everything, had that very difficult conversation with my father, left everything behind. We didn't speak for two years. And that's what brought me to the US on a journey and a quest to follow, follow my soul's calling, which was to go into this field. And so for me, you know, being in this field of personal development, personal growth was never like a, a business, was never a career. It was a calling. I felt an undeniable calling that was bigger than myself, that I really didn't have a choice. And even though I didn't know the format or the expression, I just knew that something was pulling me. I saw myself writing books. I saw myself traveling the world. I saw myself, I would sneak into my father's, we lived behind my father's church, and I would sneak into my father's, I remember being around age 11, we I would sneak into my father's church in the middle of the night, you know, 10, 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And imagine like an 11-year-old kid, I would speak to the empty chairs in the pitch black, just giving seminars, imaginary seminars, uh, inspiring imaginary souls, giving lectures and talks, uh, imagining people such as yourself, you know, lighting up and smiling and being inspired. And so for me, it was it was a calling that was bigger than myself. And so, uh, yeah, I came and I found many of the teachers, mentors, authors that, you know, we've all read about, studied with some of them. And then another pivotal moment was when I, I just felt another, another level calling me and uh, ended up traveling, ended up going to Israel, studying with some rabbis and Thailand with some monks and ended up basically ended up in India. And it was my time in India that really cracked me open to another dimension of myself and my purpose and why I'm here in reality. And that's when I came back to the US um, and began coaching. No idea what the hell I was doing. No idea, no plan, no coaching certificate, no school, just a sincere desire to make a difference in people's lives in some way. And, and one person showed up and I and I did my best to help them. And one just responding to the need in the moment, another person showed up, another person showed up. And then I began to create a you could say a methodology that I called uncoaching uh, that was really about unconditioning people uh, from the patterns and the programmings that we get conditioned into as children that prevent us from being our most expressive selves. And, and, and so I created this process. And then the first person I took through this process had such a radical transformation that people started coming and one person was referred and then it just evolved. And, and so that's, that's the short version in terms of a bit about who I am. So, Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah. Literally what I was talking to my therapist about today. So. <laughs> you guys are always yeah, on the yeah. exact always same. We're connected. So how do you feel? What's the most common way that people condition themselves from their parents? Is it is it worrying about what mom and dad think or not getting yeah. that love from mom and dad? Or? Yeah, I don't know if there's one most common way because mm -hmm. we're all... Uh, we all have different experiences, but look, I, my, my observation, my experience is we are, we are all, the, the true nature of what we are is unconditioned, pure light, pure essence. We are all, uh, our true nature is unconditioned. Whether we're conditioned or not, the reality of what we are is unconditioned. Um, you know, as children, you look at a child, a child, a child will just run naked through the street and sing and shout. We didn't care what we were. You know, we'll poop our pants. We don't have any shame. We're just hanging out there with pee and poop everywhere. Like, no judgment doesn't mean anything. And we feel happy. We're just gurgling. And so we were just, you know, as children, we're just free. And so what, what really happens in terms of the conditioning process is, let's say, we incarnate into this human experience, these free beings. 
and we meet our parents and God bless them. They're unique characters. You know, our parents, they're just doing the best that they know how to do based on their conditioning and their programming and society and their grandparents. And so now we're born into like a momentum. We're born into a preset generational condition pattern, karmic, energetic patterning and that is preset. And mm-hmm. so maybe, let's say, maybe dad is an alcoholic. Maybe mom is crazy. Maybe they're just fighting all the time. Maybe there's pain, abuse, hurt, mental, emotional, sexual dysfunction, whatever trauma. And so now we're born into this environment and family system and, and dynamics. And, and, and a couple of things happen. The first thing is often unconsciously we learn all sorts of strategies to shut down disconnect and not feel like it's too painful to feel like mom and dad are screaming all the time and it's heightened intensity and and our little nervous systems as, as children is like it's so intense so as an unconscious survival mechanism we learn also all sorts of strategies to shut down disconnect not feel you know maybe we're physically abused mentally abused you know scream that and so because it's so painful we shut down suppress 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 feeling suppress emotion as a coping strategy and mechanism and before you know it layers and layers and layers and layers of sort of suppressed emotion throughout decades kind of build up and cover up our true light, our true authentic nature, our true connection to who and what we are. And so we begin to kind of like erect walls around our sensitivity and our heart to protect our sensitive nature, our light. We protect our sensitivity in our heart, capacity to feel as a coping mechanism. So now we're closed. And that closure becomes a form of control, well intended to protect us, to keep us safe. But now we don't have the the full access to our feeling. We don't have the full access to our intuition, our creativity. And so now we go through life closed. And so from this closure, as an example, we maybe we're not fully available because Mm -hmm. it was painful maybe for us to feel like when I was open, and just 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 available, my needs weren't met by mom. Maybe yeah. you know, maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe they just didn't have the emotional capacity to meet our needs, the emotional intelligence. So it's painful for us to feel consistently that our emotional needs aren't being met. And so we learn to kind of shut down, not feel. Uh, we become maybe analytical. We disconnect from our hearts. We become super, super independent. Like I don't need anyone in my mm-hmm. life. I don't need love. I don't need relationship. I don't need my, I don't need anybody. Now we become so independent and go through life from this place of like super independence, not realizing that we're really in reaction to a pattern and the programming of pain from childhood. And so now we're not truly available to receive love. We're not truly available to being loved, to receiving, to relationship. Our heart's not open because of the conditioning. But we're, but the challenge is we're not conscious of this. And so as children, we learn all sorts of strategies to shut down, disconnect, not feel. We also learn often unconsciously a way of being in the world in response to the cues of our environment. Uh, boys don't cry. Girls don't act this way, right? This is how you should be. Oh, when I'm a certain way, I get more love from mom. When I'm a certain way, I get more love from dad. Why are you not getting all A's? Why are you? Why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more this way? You know, why can't you act more like that? And so we often unconsciously learn to develop um, a way of being, a mask, a persona, a identity, uh, a role uh, to get love, validation, approval. Who do I need to be to be loved by mom? Who do I need to be? to be loved by that. And so now we kind of contort, most of it is unconscious. We sort of contort ourselves into a kind of shape of who we think we need to be to get love, validation, and approval. And so we become the, we become the nice girl. We become the good boy. For me, growing up uh, as a preacher's kid, as a healer's kid, as a holy man's kid, you know, who had all these churches, I thought I needed to be the perfect son the in the, the 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 caretaker for everybody, the responsible one, you know, couldn't have emotions, couldn't have feelings, could couldn't show my humanness. And so there was so much of my own, you could say, authentic nature and power that I was not in touch with because I thought I needed to be this to be loved and validated. And so we become who we think we need to be to get love, validation, and approval. And we end and the version of ourselves that we end up becoming 
It's who we think we are, but it's not. It's just the conditioned version of ourselves that we become. And the degree to which we're conditioned in this program role identity pattern is the degree to which we are not free. And, and, and the, the degree to which we're not free to really choose how to live, how to respond, how to be, how to express. And so many of us unconsciously were living the, the programming of our childhood, which was well-intended. It was a survival strategy that worked for us when we were five maybe 10, maybe 15, but usually as we grow and get into relationships and relationships start to not work and fall apart and needs aren't met in love, in relationship, that we begin to realize, wow, some of the defense strategies, mechanisms that worked when I was five and 10 and 15, they're not working anymore. That way of being of like not feeling and keeping my heart closed is actually repelling love and making me not available to receiving love in life. And so I think we have to, that's how we get conditioned. And it happens so through osmosis. It happens unconsciously, which is why we end up thinking, you know, you often hear people say, oh, this is just, it's just who I am. This is just me. And we actually believe that the version of ourselves that we've become is who we are, but it's not. It's a, con- often what we've become is a, a conditioned energetic pattern that in response to life. And the degree to which we're conditioned to believing that what we are is what we are, that's really what ego is. Ego Mm -hmm. is a sense of identity, identification to to thoughts, beliefs, ideas, memories, experiences from the past. And that's ego, you know. And so that's kind of how we get conditioned. I'm interested to ask you what your views are on society's conditioning to us as we continue to grow up. And as society is changing so rapidly right now in the last four years, I feel like especially in the United States, society Mm -hmm. has changed and we've had a lot of people um, come out and say XYZ behavior is not acceptable anymore. And this behavior is not acceptable anymore. And we have cancel culture and we have more than ever people coming out um, as LGBTQ plus because they feel safer to do so. And then we have other people saying it's not safe to do that. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. to know your opinion about um, society's conditioning and how that's changing and how people are, it feels like people are in a very large way the last four years saying, I don't care what society says, I'm going to be me and what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I I would actually agree with the one part, which is, I don't care what society says. Mm -hmm. Because society itself is conditioned and programmed in a matrix of conditioning based on religion, based on education, based on parents, based on generational patterns. And that conditioning has continued throughout generations. And so if you look at much of society, I think so much of society is unhappy. So much of society is sick. So much of society is dysfunctional. So much Mm -hmm. of society is 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 are living in a prison and conditioning. Switch on the TV. If that society is like, mm, we may want to question that. And so, because we've become hypnotized by society, we've become hypnotized and seduced into a coca coma of conditioning, and we've gone to sleep. And so, I think that I would say, yeah, I don't care what society says. Yeah, that's step one. I'm going to be, but now the second part of what you said is, well, I'm going to be who I am. Mm. But the question is, who am I? That's the question. Because many times people say, I'm just going to be who I am. And I'm just this way. We often don't realize that the version of ourselves we think we are is conditioned. Some people might say, I'm going to, you know, I'm a rebel. But we don't realize that if we're rebelling against a certain pain of, Mm -hmm. of, let's say, feel. My dad was, I'm going to make this up. My dad was restrictive. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't feel free. So now I'm just going to be whatever the hell I want, do whatever I want. And, 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 but if that is, uh, if what I'm being mm-hmm. is a reaction from certain pain from childhood, then what I'm being that I'm saying, I'm going to be who, whatever I am is still not free. I'm still in reaction to certain pain from something. So I'm actually, so, so what I'm being is still not necessarily the free, authentic expression 
of my nature because I'm still kind of in reaction to some wound or pain that I haven't resolved. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so then we're still kind of slaves to society, mm -hmm. to religion, to parents, to society. I'm not going to be what society... Not, 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 so that againstness is still... Uh, you're still giving power to society when you rebel against society. And, and so I think what we have to have is the courage to really acknowledge our pain, mm -hmm. heal our pain, so we can come to a place of neutrality, a place of peace in our hearts to say, now from this place, what am I? Who am I? Like, who am I really? Not because I like, have something to prove against my dad or prove against my church or prove against, you know, the educational system or government. It's like, no, I, from the, from a place of having made peace with that, like what is, what is truly my truth and truth doesn't, the truth of what we are is not in reaction to something, you know, it, it is arising from a connection to our spirit, the connection to our soul. And so I think the more we can take the time to, to really heal, the more we can also connect to our soul, connect to our authentic nature, connect to our real truth. Then we can live that in the world. And I think as human beings, we have incarnated. We are soul. Mm -hmm. We incarnate into this human experience. This human experience is like a university, right? For our soul's evolution. It's like a classroom. Every single experience, situation, you know, all of life is like a simulation, a, a game, a university. Uh, every everything is part of the curriculum for our soul's evolution. That that I think all of life, in its difficulty, its challenge, its 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 seeming limitation, is 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 really designed to conspire. Is conspiring to help us and force us to grow and evolve. And I think if we start seeing ourselves as first and foremost souls, then every soul, we all have our unique lessons. We all have our unique lessons in our unique trajectory and our unique path and things we are here to learn. And so in life, society, life, this whole world is like a matrix. It's like a, it, it, it's, it's 3D. We live in a realm of duality. We live in a realm of limitation. And in this realm of limitation, I feel as though we incarnate into this human experience of limitation, society, oppression, beliefs, education, li limitation, not to be limited, not to be limited. But part of the intention is we incarnate into, as infinite souls, incarnate into this human experience, not to be limited, but to awaken to 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 realize through the limitation the 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 infiniteness or the unlimitedness to become masters of limitation in limitation so that we can realize the true unlimitedness of what we really are through mm -hmm. through the limited and i think that's part of the path you know and that's part of the the path and so in order to remember and realize our true nature as infinite beings, we have to experience limitation. Because without limitation, how, how do we remember that we are actually limited? You know, we would just be floating in infinite dimensions in another dimension somewhere. So we incarnate into this duality so that we can, through the feedback of life and experience of life, remember, oh, what I really am. Who am I really? What I really am is unlimited. And I think that's the real freedom in life. And I think that's what we incarnate to, to realize and truly be. So when we talk about being who you are, I think we have to question, who am I? Because so much of what we, we label as, I'm this and I'm that, I'm this, is it, great. But we have to be careful to not get so identified with these labels mm. that we end up limiting the, 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 the true authentic expression of what we are because at the deepest level, we are infinite and we are one. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answered Amen. your question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
It does. Yeah. It was beautiful. And I actually, it was really cool because I, I mean, I guess I have thought of this before, but maybe not in this specific way that like limitation is really the catalyst to yes. greater. Limitation, like, like to me, limitation is a gift that forces you to, to, to go inside. To question. To question, like, who am I? So the, the, yeah. the intention of the limitation is not to limit you, is to get you to access, to force you. Because if you look for freedom, okay, right. in society, in the world, mm -hmm. in status, in fame, in money, nothing wrong with money, nothing. But, but if you look for a sense of freedom out in social media likes in the world, you will suffer. Because the world is transitory, the world is impermanent, the world is fleeting, the world is limited. So you cannot find the true freedom out here. And if our true freedom that we're often seeking in the world, if I just get enough validation, I'm going to be okay. It's a dead end game. Mm -hmm. And so when you start realizing that, the real society, the world, kind of forces you at a certain point of evolution you realize shit there's no freedom out here so wh where else is there you you're kind of forced to 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 question and look inside and i think when you find that sense of deeper freedom within yourself in your nature beyond this physical limited form that we've been conditioned and brainwashed by society to believe we are society as we know it has no investment in you and I knowing who we are. Society, media, advertising, Gucci, you know, yeah. you know yeah. Fox News, CNN, whatever, you yeah. know, has no, Lulu Lamont, has no <laughs> interest in you and I knowing that we are freaking infinite beings, yeah. worthy, whole, and complete. Mm -hmm. You could say the, 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 I don't say the intention, but the subtle intention is you not knowing who you are. Because the more you yeah. don't know who you are, the more you live conditioned, the more you believe that you are just this little human being body that's limited, that you're going to be born, then you're going to die, that you're this little sack of you know physical flesh, and oh, shit, I have a wrinkle. Oh, my God, I have my wrinkle. Oh my God. That, <laughs> then the more you, we start believing that we are this simply this little thing yeah the more we can be controlled and manipulated and the more we can be sold mm. oh you're, you're you're just this body oh you're just this little body you're just this little human you're just a little but you're just very limited oh my god you got wrinkles oh my god you look like that oh my god you're you know you, you this is happening to you oh well well you know you're not enough but if you just like buy this pen Mm -hmm. that we sell you for like $99 from the, you know, from, from the brand name store, then you're going to find it, it being, if you just drive this car, if you just yeah. wear this underwear, if you just drink this beer, if you just, then you're going to be enough. And so I think we have to, as, 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 as souls have the courage, we have to have the courage to unplug ourselves from the, the, the conditioned matrix of society so that we can plug back into our souls. And when we really connect to that, we become much more free because we realize it's not society that determines who I am. We are, we are, we've been brainwashed and conditioned to let society determine who we are. And then we live in a small prison rather than realize, wait a second, I'm a soul. I am a soul. I'm an infinite, there is an infinite energy that I really am that is not beyond just this body, beyond birth, beyond death. It is, it, it, it's, it, it's, 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 it's infinite. Mm. When we connect to that, there is a, another dimension of power that we begin to access and experience. It's another dimension of confidence that arises not from success or fame or, or, or status or objects, but from your being. And that's freedom. And I think that's what the whole matrix and game of life is an opportunity to, to remember and awaken to.
Mm-hmm. So yeah. beautifully said. Yeah. And I think that also like what you're talking about is it, it's like the world that we live in, the reason it's constantly inundating us with material things because it's trying to convince us that we are just material. Like we're not yes. anything beyond this. And so, um, and I want to talk a little bit shifting just slightly to purpose because I've been consuming your content recently. And, you know, one of your videos is talking about like, stop seeking your purpose because the process of seeking, seeking, seeking is actually deterring you. It's like getting in the way. Right. So I want to just, I wondered if you could expand upon that a little bit. And also we do have a question in the audience from, uh, someone who, another question about purpose, but I want, I, I wonder yeah, if you could let, 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 let's that. start, let, let, let me kind of yeah. expand on, on what I shared, but connected the purpose. Like, so if we are souls mm-hmm. incarnated into the human experience in order to learn, to grow, to evolve, life is a university for our soul's evolution. Everything is part of our curriculum. That being the case, the degree to which we are learning, learning, growing, evolving, becoming more of who we truly are, learning the lessons for why we are in, why we're experiencing what we're experiencing in this Mm -hmm. moment. The degree to which we're learning the lessons, where we are with who we're with, that is the purpose. Our, Our purpose on a bigger level is evolution, our evolution. And to me, that is the real purpose of what is going on, the evolution of our consciousness and our job and our relationship and this and that, that, that all the things that we kind of make so important, which are important, really, they're just, it's just serving the evolution of our soul. It's just serving the learning. It's serving the growth. Because if we succeed in the world, if we succeed in that thing, but we don't grow, we devolve rather than evolve, we're missing the point of this Mm -hmm. process called life. And so for me, the real purpose is the evolution. And in any moment, you can evolve, regardless of what you do, regardless of the job you have, so long as you're learning and realizing more of who you truly are and learning the lesson for why you're there. You're living the purpose for why you're here. And to me, our purpose is evolution. So I would invite people to ask yourself, am I evolving? Am I evolving? Am I, if you're not involving, what are you doing? Even if you're making money, what are you doing? Even if you're famous, it's about the evolution. That's the only real game that's going on because at the end of your life, you can't take any of this with you. At the end of your life, you can't take the car, the house, the, you know, Instagram account. No, nothing goes with you. No, I remember being in Egypt and see, seeing the pyramids, and they said, well, this is where the pharaohs put all of their gold. And then go into the Cairo Museum, and they had Tutankhamun, an entire floor dedicated to Tutankhamun's treasures. And I remember thinking, Tutankhamun is dead and has gone, and all of this stuff is here. We take nothing with us from this human experience other than the evolution of our consciousness. And so to me, that's the real purpose. So that aside, yes, I think in this, this, this process called life, we're constantly seeking purpose when the very purpose is this moment. The very purpose is every moment. The very purpose is now. And I think when we see the ego, what you were, I think, referring to is I think when I said the ego is constantly seeking. The ego is always seeking some other moment, some other thing, something other than this moment. Like there's got to be something else. That's my purpose. There's got to be. Yeah. And, and, and see, the ego's job, that the ego being that which we mistakenly believe ourselves to be, right, that we identify as the ego's job is twofold. Number one, to protect you from getting hurt like you were hurt when you were young, mm-hmm. as we talked about. That's the ego. It, it, it's well intended, but, mm-hmm. but it's to pro- I don't want to experience that level of helplessness. So the ego will gets created. It's like, close my heart, never going to feel the helpless again. So the ego's job is to protect you from feeling pain. And the ego's job is to reinforce its existence. Mm -hmm. Seeking and constantly seeking is a form of the ego's reinforcing itself. So the ego wants to seek and seek and seek and seek, but it never wants to find. Because the moment the ego finds something, 
enlightenment, a purpose, uh, it, then, 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 then it's like that is a, a death for the ego. And so the ego's job is to reinforce itself. Seeking is one of the ways it does that. And so what I tell people in terms of on a human level, if you're looking, if you want to find a purpose, an expression, something that's meaningful for you, I tell people, simply just begin where you are. Like you don't have to know where you're going in order to get to exactly where you need to be. Because mm -hmm. all, your purpose is also evolutionary in terms of the expression of your human self. It's evolutionary. What, your, what, what the expression of, of your purpose now won't be what it is in 20 years. It's going mm -hmm. to evolve as your consciousness evolves. And so I tell people, start exactly where you are with what you have and just move in the direction. Just take a step. Just take a, but I got to have it figured out. No, no, no. You, you can't figure it out from this perspective. Oprah could never have figured out her purpose. Obama could never have figured out his purpose. Gandhi could never figure it out. But they, what they all had in common is they followed the energy and they started and they allowed life to lead them. And so most of us, we don't start. The challenge is we don't start because we have this big purpose in mind and we don't start. But if we don't start, we don't take the step. When you take, if you don't take the step, you don't go on the journey. If you don't go on the journey, you don't evolve and grow. You don't evolve and grow. You don't become the person that is capable of the next step. So if you take the step, life reveals to you the next step in the process of living itself. You take the step, you grow, you become more ready. Life gives you more. Life reveals to you what's next. The next step reveals the next step, reveals the next step. And all of a sudden, what I have found is often you end up living into your purpose, not discovering it, living into it. And you look around and you go, oh, I'm living my purpose. Wow. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be five years ago, but it was an, a revelation, an evolution that evolved as my consciousness expanded and you develop the mental, emotional, spiritual, psychological, soul force and muscle, you became more ready to handle more, life could give you more. And so you take the, so I tell people four things. Number one, take the step and go in the direction of what you love. Go in the direction of what lights you up. Go in the direction of what makes your soul feel alive. Just take a step in that direction. That's it. Does that mean that's how you're going to make money? Does, just take a step. Yeah. Lean in. Number two, ask yourself, what specific skills do I have? Because you might say, well, I love cakes, but <laughs> you may not be a baker, but you don't have to know what that means, but just you move in that direction. Mm -hmm. Number two, look at what specific tangible skills you have based on your past experience. I believe that every single thing we have gone through is part of the, is part of the way God has been preparing us to develop the skills, the resource, to become the person who's capable of fulfilling the purpose that we are here to express and the gifts that we, we are here to give the world. The challenge is, if we don't start, so, so I tell people, the job that you may have hated that you didn't think, well, it's not my purpose, so I'm not going to do it, mm -hmm. but there might have been something in that job as an accountant, as a waitress, that you needed to learn as tangible skill that you needed to learn in that job that was a necessary puzzle piece in the ingredients of you being ready to become this leader and fulfill this purpose. And so look at the tangible skills that you have, because those skills will often clue you into where your purpose lies. I tell people, um, look at the unique look at the gift that you have and the unique problems that you are able to solve for people. You know, to me, money is a function of being of service. You are, you are of service when you add value. You add value when you solve someone's pain, problem, or challenge. And many times we don't truly value our gifts. We don't value our innate gifts because it comes so easily to us that we, we don't think it has any value because I can do it in my sleep. So I think we have to be willing to say, what, what gifts do I have? What comes easy to me? And how... How can that be used as a way of being of service to solve a pain, problem, or challenge? And I would say the fourth thing that people can think about in terms of purpose tangibly is what group of people do I feel an affinity to, mm. a connection to? Like, yeah. wow, I don't know why, but I feel a connection to the elderly, or I feel a connection to teenage, you know, you know, teenage girls, pregnant teenage girls, and I feel some some 
some connection. I feel a connection to the blind. I, I, I often say that 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 frequency, that energy that you of, of who you feel a connection to may often show you where your purpose lies. And, and I think if you can just ask yourself those kind of four questions and just begin, then life will reveal itself and then you can grow and learn along the way. Then you don't have to wait till you're doing something to live your purpose. You're living your purpose along the way because you're growing in the pursuit of your, of your purpose. I remember about 20 years ago when I was just beginning, I was trying to like discover my big purpose in life. And I, 21 years ago, I had no money, completely broke, kind of basically homeless, living on friends' couches. But I had this big purpose. And so I was waiting around for this cosmic light bomb to hit me of like my purpose. And I remember sitting, I, I live in LA. Those who, who are from LA, you'll know there's a place called Air One. Next to Air One is a park. I would sit in this big park every day, waiting for my massive transformative purpose to arise for hours a day. And one day I looked up and I saw this beautiful old woman. She was Russian Jewish, old woman. Every day she'd walk to Erwan, come back with grocery bags, struggling. She must have been 80-something, struggling. And there I would be sitting, thinking about my purpose. And one day I heard this voice, basically this, 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 this impulse that said, here you are sitting about your purpose. Well, this old woman is struggling with her groceries every day. Mm. And you want to make a difference on the planet too. If you really want to make a difference on the planet and be of service, then you don't have to wait. Just begin by responding to the need in the moment. And there is someone who has a need in the moment that you're just not even responding to. And, and you're waiting for some special thing to happen. So I got my ass off of the bench and went up to her and carried her groceries. And I did this like every day for like six months. And we just talked. And I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to wait. Waiting is the ego strategy of constantly seeking. I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to respond to the need in the moment and just live it now. Drop all ideas of how I thought it should be and look now. And that's what I did. I just began. And that's how I started, you know, and just kept responding to the need in the moment and kept responding. to, And it just evolved. Many times we want to impact 500 as a metaphor, but we're not impacting five. Mm. We want to impact 5,000. Like, I want to impact 5,000. Well, start with the person next to you. But I want to impact a million. But we're not even <laughs> impacting, you know, our neighbor. And so I had to humble myself and say, if it's about being of service, but I'm not actually being of service because I'm busy thinking about service and, you know, visualizing being of service, but someone, someone is in need of service right now. Let me actually live my purpose now so your purpose can be lived no matter what you're doing yes and oh, I, that was so well explained like all of that was just so um poignant because it also points back to it's like what what most people want to be doing i think is to be living the celebrity version of their pur purpose right like where yeah. they're being seen for it they're being recognized <laughs> for it they're being applauded for it because we, for many reasons, one, because we're humans and we like to be applauded, <laughs> two, because we like to know, we want others to know we're successful in something that we're doing and that we're doing the right thing. So we're being affirmed in it. Like there's, there's so, and, and it's also just such a kind of um, American thing of we also just want to jump right to the end and want to jump right to the, the part where we're doing everything perfectly, you know, which as you're saying is it's, it's the whole, like a purpose is, is an everyday it's thing, life. not like a destination thing. Yeah. Um, but I did want to ask a question on behalf of Erica from our audience. And you, you, I think you might've kind of touched on this, but just to clarify, she said, how come some people know their soul calling like from birth, right? Like it seems like they're just so connected and they just kind of are following that very strongly and others like me feel like we're stumbling through life well first i would say don't compare yourself you know to 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 anyone else because everyone has a different um different lessons to learn different mm -hmm. different journey different path and um yeah maybe somebody knows their soul calling 
or I would say maybe they think they know their soul calling, uh, at least in that moment, but purpose shifts, purpose evolves, purpose expands, purpose evolves as, as we expand. So I would just say what there is to do is just for you, take the next step. Mm. You just, just, that's it. Take the next step. How can I be of service? Go, just, just go in that direction. You don't have to know where you're going to get to exactly where you need to be. There's a myth. You've got to know what your purpose is. and You don't have to know anything, but there is something inside of you that knows. So if you just say, you know what, I'm going to open myself and take a step and life will show me. And I'm going to say, so you don't have to know where you're going to exact to get to exactly where you need to be. Just trust your heart's intention and take the step. And you will find with a little time, if you just keep following those clues and responding to the need of life with a bit of time, like you'll end up living into it. I, I often give this example of Oprah. I'm sure Oprah at 20 years old, 25 years old, probably didn't know for sure she was going to be Oprah. She may have, I think what she had was she loved communication. Mm. So she said, okay, I'm going to be a newscaster. And that led her in a direction. And then she would read the news because she loved communication. But then she was too emotional because she had too much compassion. So when she would read the news, she would start crying. And and, and her bosses said, well, this is not going to work. So in a nice way, they fired her, gave her a demotion to this talk show thing that was an unexplored, you know, medium on on a a talk show. I think it was in Baltimore on like one channel, like, hey, do this job because you can kind of be touchy-feely and cry and be compassionate, but not reading the news because reading the news, you have to just be like, and 17 people died today. Oh, well, and, you know, yeah. and, and so she had too much heart for that. And, and, and so she just, but, but she just followed and then she got fired. We could see that as bad. We could mm-hmm. see that as a demotion. We could see that as negative, but was it? Because that took her to the talk show, which then took her to being able to express herself, which then took her to syndication, which then took her to, Oprah, Oprah, freaking Winfrey, two multi-billion-dollar woman, and so you couldn't plan that. You mm-hmm. could not. You could not have scripted that. Yeah. And so your job is take the step, be available, and be open. And if you're like, well, I don't know, I don't just just go in the direction of the where the energy is pulling you. Mm-hmm. Take that, and you just keep following the energy. And you keep following the energy because that energy that is calling you, that is pulling you, it has an intelligence. It's the same energy that is breathing. It's the same energy that is digesting your food. It's the same energy that is breathing all existence. It is the energy of life. It knows. And I really believe that that same intelligence knows how to fulfill itself through you if you allow it. And so if you don't know, then I would say, let this be your affirmation or let this be your prayer. Universe. I am fully available to being used for the highest good of all concerned. Boom. Say that. Say that prayer. I'm fully available to being used for the highest good of all concerned. Use me. That's it. And then you respond. And I promise you that life, God, whatever you believe, will start putting it into your path ways that you can be of service. And when that show, when, when that shows up, Take it, and that will lead you. That's what I would say. Beautiful, beautiful so way to end. That was mm-hmm. yeah, that was beautiful. absolutely. How do, do you, people? What? Um, <laughs> how um, can people follow you? Can you give us all of your information? Oh, so thanks. Get your book, all of that jazz, and we're gonna put it in the show notes too. But cool. I know that I would love to hear more about you and more information from you. Yeah, cool. we have over seventy people watching on Facebook hey, right everyone. now, so everybody's really yeah. loving it. In a bloom crew, yeah. <laughs> in a bloom crew, it's fun. It's yeah, really we're fun. gonna have to fun take that one from you. you if that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a couple of ways that people can can connect with me. Definitely get the get the book on Amazon, The Magic of Surrender, Finding the Courage to Let Go. The paperback version is updated. Um, 
I wrote a book about surrender that was very simple to read and uh, it's become a bestseller. So The Magic of Surrender on Amazon, get it, check it out. A um, couple of ways. I would say if, if, if anyone listening, you've been watching the conversation, maybe inspired by the conversation, um, maybe you feel ready for like that next level. Uh, maybe you feel a, a sense that you've been put on the planet for a purpose that is bigger than yourself. Maybe you're, you feel a sense of readiness to heal and uncondition yourself and connect with your true essence and share your gifts with the world. Um, twice a year, I do a very special event that is really designed to help people do that. It's called Boundless Bliss, the Bali Breakthrough Experience. For the last 10 years, I have done 20 of these events uh, in Bali, and they're truly life-changing. I think for me, they're, it's like my deepest work. And so they're unlike any any events on the planet. Um, this is my last year, 2023, doing this particular event. And so if people are inspired, want to go deeper, you feel a, a sense of being inspired, uh, go to www.boundlessblissbali.com. That's boundlessblissbali.com. Uh, all the info's there. The next event is July the 28th to August the 8th. So go to the website find out some info. My main website is kootblackson.com. Uh, my Instagram, kootblackson, Facebook, Coot Love Now. My podcast is called Soul Talk. Uh, people can find find everything there. Can I just share one story? Please do. Um, and I think this was about service too. When I was about, about 20 years ago, I was very privileged to meet uh, one of my mentors at the time. He was uh, became like a grandfather to me. And his name was Dwakuji. He was a former disciple of Gandhi and a, a real man of service. Like, like when it comes to service, he built 300 schools for the un underprivileged kids in India. Um, he had an ashram, like an orphanage, two orphanages for like people would throw their kids in the trash mm. and they would bring those kids to him and he would raise them till they were 18. And the first time I met him, um, he basically invited me to India. And so I had all of these romantic ideas of like, I'm going to be Mother Teresa and I'm going to be of service. And like, basically my ego had these ideas, right? And so I end up going to his orphanage, his ashram in Bihar, which is the poorest state in India, where he had about 200 children. And I thought I was going to like save these kids and mm. transform the lives of these kids. And I got to, after about two weeks, I was... I was so exhausted, exhausted. Like I wake up at 5 a.m. sleeping on a concrete bench in the 120 degrees heat. And I was kind of like following his schedule. I was so exhausted. The kids didn't care. They weren't socialized because they had no families. You know, I was like, to hell with this crap. And I was done, to be honest. And I thought this, this service thing is a bit overrated. And I remember telling my friend Dwakoji, he was 82 years old at the time, 80 years old at the time. His, his orphanage was right by the Mahabodhi temple. The Mahabodhi temple is where the Bodhi tree is, where the Buddha got enlightened. Amazing mm. temple in Bodh Gaya. And I said to Dwakoji, I said, Dwakoji, I'm a bit tired. So I'm going to go for a week and meditate by the temple. I'm going to do, do some meditation. And this beautiful man, changed my life. He looks me in the eyes and he said, uh, it's great that you go meditate by the temple. It's great that you meditate by Buddha statue. But while you meditate, just make sure your heart doesn't turn to stone. Mm. Like, what? Because right in front of you here, in this humble ashram, are living Buddhas, living Christ, simply waiting to be loved, waiting to be worshipped, waiting to be seen, and they are living. And he turned around and walked away. And I sat there for like an hour and sat with what he said, and I realized my own limitation, you know, mm -hmm. that like literally I was not seeing all of the ways that I could truly be of service in daily life. And so I would just invite anyone like 
sometimes it's not the big things, you know, like we want to save the children in India. We want to save the oceans. We want to save the whales. We want to, we want to save the, you know, the, take people to Mars. That's, that's all great. Yeah. But look around at people in your life, your child, you know, your, your, your spouse, your wife, your husband, your children, your cousins, your grandmother, your, and everything and everyone is really an opportunity to love and be of service. And I think if we really do that, then we are living our purpose, even if it's small. And there is a power in the small. And so I would just invite everyone to just start where you are. That's beautiful. Mm. So beautiful. yes to all of that uh, times a million. Thank you so much, Coot, for being here. This is absolutely what we needed today. Thank you for sharing. And everybody go check out Coot's book, uh, The Magic of Surrender. And uh, thank you. Until next time. Appreciate you. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to get in touch for a reading with Ambie, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast.